Welcome to episode 654 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 654 of I'm Talk with Coach John Newsom, Bevan James. Oh, how you going, mate? I'm good, Bevan. Yourself? I'm pretty happy for John today. Do you know why? Because the microphone's positioned nicely. Well, well, yes. Well, A, John's finally discovered a way to make the microphone work so I can look over a screen. Yeah. And he's told me I'm not allowed to remove the stand out of our lounge. No, it's got to stay. I'm you you should concrete it, concrete it to the floor. Well, so we have kind of a, um, what are they called, a music stand kind yeah. of holder. Yeah, it's um, a mic stand. A, with a long pole and then... We're sitting down on couches, and it's, I always struggle to get an exact right position. Today, just walked in, Bevan, genius. It's just perfect. You know what, John? You, you've got to admit, this has been the most comfortable studio we've had. Uh, I quite like sitting at a t- table and a desk. Oh, did you? Yeah. You screwed. I wasn't going to say anything, but you brought it up. The thing, the thing I like is that the diggers are out for you today. You can see <laughs> the diggers doing the work. Great. Oh, it's all going my neighborhood team. I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by... Extreme endurance, lactic buffer, and our patron. Christine, the grinder McKinley. She ground so hard the other day that her uh, she snapped her dera- rear derailleur off somehow at a little race a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Jumped on her bike, and she claimed she wasn't in the small chainring, which is when you're in your big chainring and your smallest gear on the back, then that's a real risk that for, a risk, for yeah. breaking your um, rear derailleur off or shoving your rear derailleur into your spokes, but she said she wasn't and somehow managed to She's snap the her powerhouse. She's so powerful. John, when was the last time you visited her for your teeth? Um, I'm seeing her later this week and we'll Because uh, I went last that. year and she said John hasn't been in a while and that was August last year. I go annually, John. I think I've been since then. Sure. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've also got Chris, the combustor apple. And um, yep. Brett Wachan. In this week's show, we've got some news. We've got our hot topic of the week. Good interview with legend that is Rachel Joyce. Yes, so we're going to find out. I'm intrigued to know if she's retired, if she hasn't retired, what's she up to? And also we're going to discuss a little bit around the uh, recent announcement about the Collins Cup uh, and the professional triathlon, what is it, professional triathletes organisation, PTO, mm. uh, just kind of see where she's at. And John's going to be telling about a little race that he did on the weekend, a local, local race he did and, and yep. did a ride in. And then uh, we're going to do some questions and answers at the end. Jombo, Challenge Wanaka, let's talk about the pro race. We'll do your race report as a bigger thing later in the show. Uh, Braden Curry, pretty dominant in the end. It was. It was kind of what you expected on the male's side. Now, I didn't get to, I only got to see a millisecond of the race when the, the course in Wanaka, you go the first section, you're about 35 kilometres, so what's that, 20, 20 miles or so uh, out and back. And so I got to see them coming back from there. And by that stage, uh, Andrew Starkwitz was in the lead. He had a bit of a bit of a gap over Braden Curry, uh, and then the others were kind of scattered all over the place. So uh, as you expect, he did keep the the hammer down, but he didn't put a, a big enough lead out on the bike. Uh, and Braden Curry managed to run him down. So Braden Curry won in four hours zero 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 zero. Uh, Starkwitz was two minutes forty five behind, and Matt Burton was another couple of minutes back. But he was in the mix, and our roving reporter Andrew Charles was uh, oh, out nice. there said uh, Matt Burton had to take a uh, a comfort break. <laughs> oh, because in, in Slow Twitch, what was the term they used? A tardy 20, uh, 221 on yeah. the bike. They said a tardy bike ride. Yeah. And I thought, I wonder what that's all about. 
No, I think no, I was on the run. He needed to take a um, a comfort stop. Uh, Jack Moody was Kiwi was in fourth, and Dylan McNeese uh, led out of the swim, and he was in fifth. Now that we get uh, pretty much everybody did not predict to predict this result on the female side. Um, myself and most others thought it was going to be a two horse race between two of the best athletes in the world, Meredith Kessler and Laura Sedell. You've got to say with Kessler. Outside of Kona, she is one of the most dominant uh, Iron Woman athletes of the last sort of period. Obviously, coming towards the end of her career, but uh, just hasn't got it right in Kona. So she's not going to go down as probably one of the greats. Whereas outside of Kona, man, some of her performances have been incredible. Mm. So I was thinking it would be a, a two horse race between those two, thinking that maybe Meredith Kessler might have it over Laura Sedell, although Laura would have been in, in maybe in better shape because she's been down here training. And Laura, Laura's kind of got the, the kind of monkey on her back because she's always kind of got second there, I think, four, four seconds? Mm. Maybe yeah, three yeah, or four seconds. close yeah. last year. So, but then Hannah Wells, up-and-coming Kiwi, came through and uh, cleaned them out on the run and took the win. It was a, apparently a pretty close race and she was, was running with Meredith Kessler and uh, just duking it out, but she ended up winning by over a minute. Um, but I did see some footage of them on the run running together, so good on her. That's a fantastic result, beating you know some very talented women. So she was first in 4.31.11. Tell us about her. She's the Well, uh, good old um, Sam Walls. Sam Walls wants yeah. to skitter on, and I said, I know why you want to skitter on. Uh, so she's she's got a doctorate in she, engineering. You, you basically said, John, before the show, you said she's basically the perfect perfect person. Yeah, I mean, she, I've never spoken to her before. She's got a doctorate. She's obviously a smart cookie. She's a bloody fast athlete, and six. You can call me sexist, but she's an attractive girl, yep. and that's going to help in terms of your marketability. Yep. Uh, and yeah, so and she's still pretty new to this game. So whether or not, do you know much about her history? Like, does she come from short course? Not really. No, we'll, we'll get her on the show at some stage. Um, but I think she's did a bit of multi sport, dabbled in that. Yeah. And you know, she did the half Ironman in Tauranga a few weeks ago, and I finished, I think, third there. So yeah, with those with that sort of performance. Very solid. Uh, good on her. Meredith Kessler was second, just over a minute back. Uh, Laura Sedell, I only spoke to her for about 30 seconds after the race. She said, how'd you get get on out there? Because I had no idea what, what had happened in the females' race. She said, yeah, the last couple of k's of the run were pretty good. And oh, really? Just a she day. took it that long to, to get warmed up mm. uh, and going. Not it was cold, just getting into a getting into a groove. So um, she didn't have her best day down there. So she was still in third place. So, so okay, so a couple of questions. Um... How did it feel not having the long there? It was a, it was a bit different, but it went. I thought it went really well. You know, they had uh, so you did the prize giving at like four o'clock and four thirty in the afternoon, and it was all done and dusted. So I don't think it really took anything away, and if anything, possibly a bit better. It was just it was all just wrapped up a bit quicker. Uh, yeah. So I what I, I was thinking about this the other day. Maybe they should. What do time a, did it wrap up? Well, the prize giving was 4.30, so it was done at 5, 5.30. Oh, that's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I was thinking maybe they should do one like every four years, like an Olympic cycle. And so then it's not not completely dead. And then you'd get people putting it on their bucket list. You say, right, we're doing one 2020, 2024, 2028. And then you can go, right, that's a race. It's really on my bucket list. I've got to do it that year. Otherwise, I've got to wait another four years. So, Bill, if you're listening, there's another suggestion for you. Hmm. Do you really think that it would happen? Probably not mainly because of the traffic management down there. Uh, even for our race, you know, it was a bit of the last section, um, when you're coming in on the main road, there's a lot of cars. You know? Oh, really? Uh, yeah, not getting in the way because the road's wide enough, but it's just such a busy place. Uh, tourism is just going 
mental in this country, and I think that's the main limiting factor. Um, but yeah, it's worth a thought anyway. Um, so, question I have: um, Do you think it's better for the night time in Wanaka? Because you know, the thing is, because everyone's finished race by five. Mm-hmm. Was it more vibrant tonight, or the fact that they had a race previously on? Do you think everyone went home and actually it was more vibrant when they had the long race going on for the, for the township of Wanaka? We went home reasonably early, uh, but no, I, I think it was pretty busy down there. Not the same. There wasn't that buzz because there's still some finishes coming in. Yeah. But no, overall, I, t- I, I understand the reasons for doing it. You know, it's mainly financial traffic. There was hardly any competitors, so we can debate it all we want in terms of the vibe. But I just think economically, it just wasn't adding up. Yeah. Oh no, totally, totally. Yeah. And. and I didn't do it this year because I didn't need two commentators, so I was obviously <laughs> the least important commentator. <laughs> I know my place. But it was, um, you know, I, I kind of, it did feel like the right move, hmm. you know, and obviously financially it's probably the right move as well. So good on them. Well done to everybody that did the race. I'm sure lots of listeners did it, so why don't hopefully you had a great day out there. We also had the G-Long 70.3 happen, and... Uh, Gomez is still in form. Yeah, took it out, beating Josh Amberger, who's one of the you know one of the best seventy point three athletes around. Just cleaned him out, pulled out another amazing run, one eleven thirty six, um, winning by you know about four minutes. Radka Carter felt uh, pretty close race in the female. She uh, won by one minute over Ali Salthouse. So good on them. Good to see Gomez uh, still going long. So he will have booked his ticket for 70.3 Worlds and we'll see what sort of a season he does. How much short course. I did note that he's not entered in the upcoming round of the World Triathlon Series in Abu Dhabi. That, they can sub people in really easily so he may still get on the start line but maybe he's going to wait till sort of the second or third round before he gets back onto the uh, back onto the circuit. Okay, so what do you see um how would you think his season is going to be kind of put out, if you know what I mean? Like, how do you think he will kind of plan the season with, with the idea of that he is trying to get to the Olympics? I think he'll do everything. Uh, he normally does all the races. Race. Okay, so it'll yeah. be very similar, nothing. Yeah, he's know? a prestigious racer. He just gets out there, races you know, very frequently. So I'd imagine he'll, um, he'll just stick with it. You know, you almost think, though, for him... Maybe doing some of the Super League-style stuff would be the best thing for him. Get a bit of speed back get up. Get a bit of, bit of speed back. Uh, he might get his ass kicked, but it might be a good method for, for getting back into a groove. He's not down, as far as I could see, to do Super League this weekend, but that might be something that's really good for him. Maybe that's part of his plan. Maybe it isn't. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. He's, he's an interesting career to follow in the next kind of 18 months, isn't he? Oh, it's been great. Yeah, it's going to be pretty fascinating. Although, I would have preferred he stayed in Ironman as, as a spectator. Mm. You know, I still I know I know we've talked a lot about this, but I, I still think I think it's really interesting if you'd gone back to Kona this year. Well, equally Olympics. Imagine if he wins the Olympics. Oh well, if he does <laughs> that, 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 that is awesome. bloody finesse, fantastic. I did want to bring out one other race called the Hell of the West in Guandwini in Australia. It's been going since 1989. The first year was uh, Olympic, I think, and then they've had a long course, which is a 2k swim, 80k bike, 20k run. Since then, they haven't got such an amazing men's field this year, but they uh, it's. They've had a lot of rock stars there over the time. Max Newman took it out in 3 hours 30, winning by 9 minutes. Uh, and then Sarah Crowley took out the females race uh, fairly comfortably as well. So good on them. Sarah Crowley is somebody we, I don't think we talk enough about her. She's, you know, 
she's one really one of those ones on the next rung down from Daniela. And you know, the year before last, I think it was, she was just winning everything. So it's often those ones that aren't so strong in the swim. You don't see that much of them on the day, mm. and they're kind of in the background a bit. And then you go, oh, whoops, she's up to you know second or third, but. Keep a lookout for her. She could be really crushing it again this season. Kind of doing two things today, Joan, while you're talking. I am listening, because I always listen. Good. But I am making the I Am Talk playlist. Right. I'm kind of making the playlist on Spotify as we're, as we're going along. Come on, keep your focus. I'm, I'm trying to do two things, because normally I'm kind of skipping ahead to the next thing. So the next thing is... Ironman UK military division has been opened. So basically what has happened here is there's always been military slots in... In, in Ironman World Championships, and it's partly because John Collins, who is the original, the originator of Ironman, he always thought that that should represent the. Well, it was more because he was a military man, wasn't it? And mm-hmm. there was kind of they always had military spots. Now, is this the first time this has happened? I believe outside of America, yeah. So they're offering ten qualifying slots um, to anybody in active military duty. Uh, it's I don't believe it's just for UK military. No, 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 I think no, it's no. European. Yeah, no, no, no. I think it's just anything. Yeah. So it says this: the IMM military division is open to amateur active duty military personnel, regardless of country, gender, branch, or service. Mm. So in theory, Kiwis could go over there and do it. Yeah, but even like enemies. So you get some ISIS fight. Well, I don't know. ISIS is in the country, as ISIS is more an ideal. But um, but you know, yeah. So it's because I was really interested to see some Russian troops could go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was really interested to see is there going to be a discretion around which countries can? Right. But they actually haven't. They've kind of just said if you're in the military, you're open and and you're kind of currently of service. We don't care about what gender. What branch of service? Now, it does. It, it, the other thing to say here is the military division qualification slots are independent of age group qualifications. So I wonder. You've got to so, choose one or the other. Yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, uh, ties back. Yeah, so it just talks about the story there, longest running, blah blah blah. So um, yeah, you know what? I think it's pretty fair. Do you? Yeah. We're, we're we're different in New Zealand because we we're don't not so have military. that yeah. military connection, and everybody just leaves us alone. So we don't necessarily think the same as you guys in Europe or in America. Where yeah, the military is a so there's big ten part. slots here. Yeah. And it must be what ten in America, mm. you know. So let's say they give her twenty slots to the military. I actually don't mind this one. It doesn't bother me that much. I kind of get it, and I kind of think, well, why do they get special treatment? Yeah, but you know what? You think of like that. Who's that guy? Um, David Higgins or whatever. Mm-hmm. It? What's his name? I've just bought his book. Porno recommended it, so I just bought it, for, and I haven't listened to it yet. Wait a second, let's have a look. Um, David Goggins. Yeah. You know, now, now he was more of an endurance runner, mm. but he took a lot of people into endurance running. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And these guys, you know, they kind of these military guys do get into a lot of sport. And I know CrossFit's become very popular in the military. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like it's I don't know. I don't, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. But yeah. then do you start creating divisions for other professions? Yeah, but I think sometimes you've got to respect the history of something. Mm. Okay, you know what I mean. And and John Collins was a military, or it says in this article, I'm in military ties dates back to the inaugural event. Co-created uh, by U.S. Navy Commander John Collins and his wife Judy, the first race was won by U.S. National Communications, sorry, Navy Communications Specialist Gordon Heller. The runner was a Navy SEAL, so it was kind of it was an army thing, wasn't it? Yeah, I think the thing that doesn't bother me so much about this one is not a promotional giveaway going. Yeah, you're into this race and you're going to win a slot. <laughs> you to go to war. <laughs> it's like yeah, so I get it. So it doesn't bother me too much. Yeah, I don't mind sometimes when we are respecting the history of something. I think that's all right, and I think the amount of slots. And mm. I was my my concern was, are they going to go? You know, Russia can't do it, or, or whatever mm. country is. But it makes it an interesting thing because imagine if you do get 
like we're not in wartime, but mm. if there was more wartime stuff, or some places in the world, or if it was chi- the Chinese, well, I suppose it's a Chinese-owned company, so they're, yeah, going. they're not going to pan the people. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> interesting, uh, interesting times, John. We live in interesting times. Uh, also, in the, in the news, uh, Garmin has acquired Tex. Yeah. This is going to be interesting to go to... to so, so, give me, because I'm not much in this world, so tell me about it. Oh, so Tech's basically uh, mainly specialise in, in indoor trainers. Um, and so DC Rainmaker has written a really good article on this, so go on there and, and have a bit of read through. But what I guess his main, one of his main points is going to be really interesting to see where this goes uh, with regards to, say, Zwift, because Zwift are really trying to take over that online space. And what Tech's were, very, were, were kind of good and bad at was they kind of had that Zwift thing going earlier on well they had a lot of virtual riding with their trainers but it was very closed shop so you if you were on tax you were on tax uh, whereas if you went and bought a so that, okay. wahoo kicker you could be on yeah. um, trainer road you could be on perf pro you could be on whatever you wanted to be on uh, and so it was a lot more open source whereas tax were often very closed but they had they have opened that up they do very good trainers uh, but yeah it could be a not a game changer, but it could be an alternative path to... Well, reading his article, it was interesting, text. actually, because when you think of... So Sony traditionally really do what techs do. So Sony will often create their own little worlds, but long-term it proves to be unsuccessful. So like mm. Sony, when they brought out their... They used to bring their own memory cards out. Remember that? Right. Yeah. And they had like Sony memory cards. Mm-hmm. And then you had like SD cards, which were very kind of generic that everyone mm. could use. Another example of it was Sony brought out the mini disc. And the mini disc could only use, be used on Sony. So they try to keep it in their world. But if you look at historically, often it's a failing strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, but what DC Rainmaker was saying in his article was that uh, it's more to counter Swift because the, the, the Swift is very much just starting to dominate the market. Uh, and the concern is what happens when Swift starts to bring out the hardware, yep. you know, and that will really kind of close the market. And so it's kind of to really, but, you know, this probably helps Swift as well, mm-hmm. but it's a maybe, so will we see a Swift-like product coming from a Garmin yeah. moving forward? Garmin's a big company. Yeah, it is, but, and they do great products, don't they? Yeah. You know, yeah. they really do great products, so... Uh, interesting times ahead in the tech world. I tell you what, the tech game has changed the game recently. But but let's get into John's ITU update. This weekend in Singapore, we have the Ch- Super League happen. Finale, the finale. So oh. it's double points. And I said that to Tom this morning. It's double points this weekend. He goes, yeah. And I am kind of feel the same. When you do double points, it really screws up the rest of the series. I like points and a half when you've got a finale. But double points, you can go from nowhere to potentially winning. And is that the best representation of somebody who's you know, done the whole series? It's kind series. of winner takes all, isn't it? Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, oh, winner takes all, takes this one. So I, I don't think we'll see any massive changes to the potentially to the leaderboard because those are the probably going to be the most dominant athletes. But where you may see some big changes is those rankings sort of maybe five through ten where guys that have only done one or two of the rounds can leapfrog some of the guys that have been, you know, consistent. So that's my fear for our Kiwi fella, Hayden Wild. He's sitting in a really good position. And, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting and to what, see what kind of, Do we know the bonuses? Uh, in terms of prize money? Yeah. Oh, it's significant. It's, you know, so... Prize money is for for each round is twenty thousand dollars for a win, and it drops down to fifteenth place. You get five hundred bucks, so it goes twenty thousand, fifteen, ten, six thousand, four, eight, uh, three thousand. Tenth place is eighteen hundred. But the series prize money is a hundred thousand for first, oh, okay. fifty thousand for second, twenty five for third, uh, fifteen, twelve, ten, eight, six, four, uh, three. So it's it's good money, and hundred thousand dollars pretty decent and when you're only getting half of that for second place 
you're pretty motivated to make sure that you do win it. Yeah. So it's looking good. Um, the uh, the format uh, this weekend is. Come on, where am I? I'm losing my spot. Here we go. Uh, it's on this weekend. That's racing Saturday and Sunday. If you're in Europe or UK, fantastic time of the day. It's going to be Saturday and Sunday morning. Get on there and do do yourself a big trainer session. Not so good for us in New Zealand. We can probably catch the females race, but it's going to be you know it's starting at three o'clock over there. So it's uh, for the females, which is eight o'clock over here. The males don't even start till ten o'clock. Uh, the format is they've had this one before. Uh, on Saturday is the eliminator. So they swim three hundred, um, bike five k, run. 2k after the first race um, the top 15 athletes go through after the second race the top 10 athletes go through and then the last race is a straight shootout between uh, between 10 of them so that's the same for the males and the females and then on the Sunday they have the uh, the enduro which is basically going swim bike run swim bike run Oh, there's something on my page, swim, bike, run. So same distances, 300 swim, 5K bike, 2K run, three times through. Uh, so, yeah, really cool formats. And also, at the the last two athletes at the end of each discipline are eliminated. That was quite fun to watch last time, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. And I've seen this in, a running, in running races as well. I saw one the other day where I think it was a mile race maybe, uh, and each, it might have been longer than that, it might have been 3K, I can't remember. Uh, but each lap, uh, the last athlete would get eliminated. So they'd all bunch up and it'd just come to like a 100 metre sprint, last one's out. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, just, it's just entertaining rather than just a straight drag race. Uh, quite enjoyed that. Um, yeah. So first time they've had the race in Singapore, uh, should be good times. Um, the, the athletes that are there are pretty similar to the ones that have been um, at the other series, so you are missing a few, but you know, you've know you got at least half of the big hitters from, from ITU, so you haven't got um, Mola, Gomez, Blumenfeld and Burt Whistle, they're probably the main ones you're missing, but you have got you know Vincent Louis, Richard Murray, Brownlee, Schumann, there's enough there to make it interesting racing, and equally, um, or pretty similarly on the the female side, still no Flora Duffy, uh, Vicky Holland, Georgia Taylor-Brown and Ashley Gentle aren't there, but you have got Cassandra Bogran, Katie Zaveris, um, Kirsten Casper, Klama and Spivey, so really good fields, not quite ITU standard, but not too far off, um, yeah, it should be good racing. It's interesting, because when the first hit, they got everyone, didn't they? The, first, the, the, the very first one, they had everybody. Do you think you ever see that again? Um... I, my big concern with it, and I've said this before, it just really drags out the season. Yep. Uh, and so if they did like a one-off in the middle of the season, maybe, but or, or that possibly the one that's at the very end of the season, maybe. Um, but it doesn't yeah. work to the series in that case then, does it? No, it doesn't. No, because then it's just kind of a random race where everyone turns up. Mm. So do you just have like a, a festival one at the end of the season to represent... Mm. Because that's the thing, you need the series to get people to keep coming back, and you need the big money associated with the series, again, as the carrot to keep people coming back. But do you feel it's missing something without those people there? Oh, yeah, for for sure, a little bit, but it's still fantastic racing, so, yeah, it'd be great if they could, I don't know, somehow tie it into the ITU circuit, I can't see that happening, but... uh, it would be cool to have all of them racing. Mm, and it would be cool. This would be a much more interesting racing at the Olympics than just having an Olympic distance race. I'm a traditionalist. I love Olympic distance and all that. Oh, but how but, cool would the Olympics be yeah. if you had this series of races mm. and the gold medal was, you know. Mm. It would be amazing. And also, because in this, we're not seeing team tactics, are we? No, no. 
But if you're in the Olympics, you would, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Small fields it would make it. You'd have to have heats and finals and things like that. Uh, it could cater because at the Olympics you kind of need to be able to cater for probably. Well, I think they have about seventy males and females, so you'd have to have some sort of qualifying series um, to get it down because you do only want sort of twenty odd on the start line, twenty twenty five. Otherwise, it just becomes a schmozzle. Too many people on the course. So you have, you have a couple of rounds. Yeah. Would the Olympics want that? Well, I think so. Absolutely, it's spectator friendly. It's going to keep people actually watching it, whereas. Who's going to watch the Olympic triathlon? Mm. Unless you're really interested in it, you're going to watch a bit of the run. You might come and go, but with this, you're kind of wanting to watch it the whole time. What, so. what do you think the chances of us ever seeing something like this at the Olympics? Oh, a couple of Olympics away, I'd say, yep. Okay. Not Tokyo. Where, where are we going after Tokyo? Is it Chicago? Or is it Paris? Recently, Olympics uh, 2020. Paris Olympics. or Chicago? Isn't, no, it's not Chicago. Isn't it, isn't it LA? Or, is, or, or uh, Madrid was in the running at one stage. No, it's Paris, well. isn't it? It's Paris. Yeah, I think so. Paris, yeah. So maybe a couple Olympics away. Interesting times. I would love to see the Olympics because again, it's just it's a more interesting puzzle to watch, isn't it? Mm. You know, and that's what we want to see. Last week, guys, we had a topic of the week, and it's a very popular topic of the week. And I haven't been listening to John for the last half an hour because I basically been putting the playlist together. But we wanted to know the playlist of songs that you guys are going to create for. Interval sessions, and so the, what we basically did is you can put two songs into the playlist. And what I'm going to do, I was going to be the creator of it. I was going to be the person who said yes and no. But what I'm doing is I'm creating the whole playlist, and I'll, I'll put a link to it on the show notes. I've called the playlist. Now, what have I called the playlist? Let's have a look here. Playlist, 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 playlist. I am talks intervals playlist. This playlist is for I am talk listeners to smash the interval sessions. That's what it's called. Uh, and I'll, I'll I'll put it there, and I'll put a link to it on Facebook once it's or on geez we've already got like 30 page songs on our show notes on dub 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 I talk to me but John's already got his song ready what do you got oh, no, there? I'm just I'm just having I've got my playlist ready wait, I'll, I'll wait I'll wait my turn okay let's name a few Jumbo so um, one thing that is very obvious a lot of anger a lot of anger <laughs> a lot of yeah anger uh, I'm not even going to do Richard Swans because he's being a dorker well put it on the playlist oh you're kidding no, no. remove it <laughs> remove it Brian Adams, everything I do, I do for you. Everything I do. It might be nice because when you've got (laughs) for a while and then you think about all the people you love in your life when you're training. Because I was speaking to an athlete the other day. She had a great run. She's over 60, always wanted to go sub two. Mm -hmm. Best ever in a half marathon was 207 Mm -hmm. and pulled off a sub two. Yeah. And she said one thing that motivated her, she thought of all the people that helped her achieve the goal in the last part of the race. Okay. So this one comes on. I think Swanee Noah wasn't being I don't think he was taking the piss. I think he was, because you know Swanee Noah. Yeah. I think he's been quite serious. <laughs> this is the song he probably listens to 100 times a day. Yeah. yeah. Has he got a missus? Don't know. Swanee Noah, you got a missus? How can we not know this about you? If you got a missus, he probably sings this to every night. Yeah. Tim Carpenter said, uh, Pendulum remix of The Prodigy, Voodoo People. Voodoo People. It's a great song. Terry Bessardi, DLS, uh, Monkey Wrench by Foo Fighters. Don't want to be your monkey wrench. Rock and Roll by Led Zeppelin. I don't think I know that. I probably will, but. Glenn Skimmer, Jump Around. Jump Around. Jump, jump. A bit of Enter Sandman by Metallica. Yeah. A uh, bit of Rage Against Machine there by Ben Cobra, Mick Simpson, Voodoo People, The Prodigy, Thunderstruck, that's always a goodie, uh, Kefran Izzard, Fisher, Losing It, Rage Against the Machine, it's Killing all, in the Name a couple, Of. Everyone wants that, that's a great song. It is. Do, 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 you got to do what I told you. There's a funny YouTube clip where there's this, there's this black guy and he, he listens to songs out of, 
you know, he listens to kind of songs that are very popular, but he's never heard. So he's like, he listens to Killing in the Name of Love. And he, and he first goes, okay, okay, I get it. I get it. Fuck you. You won't do what you told me. And he gets really, by the end of it, he's just rocking it out. It's just genius. Greg Jones, he was around my place this morning. Tricky to only choose two. Uh, Tarantula by uh, Pendulum. Do you know that? No, but I can play it, John, because wait a second, here we go. Dark and Long Train by Underworld. Tarantula by Pendulum. Here we go. Here's the original mix. Sounds a bit reggae. About reggae with a bit of... But does it get angry? Oh, yeah, this is a good build. That's a good build. That's going to get your legs turning. (laughs) Christine McKinley. Dark and Long Train Underworld. Oh, back it up. Got it here, John. Yeah. You got it here. I've been started. Oh, it's a bit deeper. This is when you're hurting. You go into that deep place. Mm-hmm. Going into it and you're just hurting. The bit inside. of Eminem, Dana Kalpas, Eminem, yeah, till I collapse. Oh, hear that. That's, that's just like you're in the rhythm of it, John. Uh-huh. You're down for it. You've got a bit of anger before. And I'm loving this playlist. Uh, Libby Hilda, uh, Bad to the Bone, George Thurrock. Uh, b- 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 bad. Yeah. Uh, Ross Little said Kevin Rudolph I Made It Featuring Oh yeah I know that one Birdman Jason. That's actually a pretty good song I like that Yeah, yeah. Um, A <clears throat> couple others Leon Perry Funky Jam By Primal Scream And Underdog By Caspian oh, this Jeez, I've got no I'm going clue for a run this On afternoon. any of these songs I'm going for a run this afternoon And now the playlist Will be up by the time You guys listen to the show I'm going for a run So this is on Spotify is it? Yeah, have you got Spotify? I think Belinda might do you can get free Spotify, so you can get it. Sorry? You can get free Spotify. <laughs> right. Bevan's not saying this, but yeah, apparently. <laughs> what do you mean? Can you get free Spotify? No, no, no. You get free. They give it to you for free. Yeah, for three but, months. Then you no, no, pay no. For it. But you get ads. Okay. Yeah. So Spotify can be free, mm-hmm. um, but you can't do things like download a playlist and have it offline. Right. Whereas if you pay like, it's 40 bucks a month. To me, it's genius. Um, <laughs> shaking not. my head. Subscriptions are not genius. Yeah, suckers. No, you need you, you, the key is only one and everything. So one music mm-hmm. or one TV. Yeah. So we pay for all my entertainment. We pay twenty six bucks a month. Right. What do you pay for your entertainment, John? Um, similar. <laughs> Way more. I don't even know music or anything like that. <laughs> anyway, thanks for everybody for contributing. Uh, okay, what do you read what, them all out? Because what are you adding? You get two. I only get two. So we, we, we well, know which one of them is. So one of them was Freaks featuring yep. Savage. Um, okay, basically I'll put that in trumpet. right now. Basically I'm Freaks. And then on my little TT list here, I've also got Lose Yourself, Eye of the Tiger, and Thunderstruck. And then I like how it feels, but I'd probably have to go for... I like how it feels? What's that? Enrique Iglesias. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I'd have to go Thunderstruck though. It's, it's already it's in there. It's game. already in there. It's okay. okay. Do I get another one? Yeah. Do I? Yeah. You are the host of the show. You do get some benefits. Mm, well, you better put I like how it feels in there then. Okay. okay. <laughs> You're and giving somebody no crap. Uh, no. I like how it feels. Why is it? I like. It's my life. I can do what I like. Here you go. You liking it? You found yeah. it yet? Yeah, yeah, I've got it. I've got it. Can you spell place. Enrique and Glacius for me? Well, it's got Pitbull as well. So I go with yes. Pitbull. <laughs> You know, a bit of a beat there. Yeah, You're just going yes, right. Yeah, yeah, five good. minutes ago, I'm a TT. I'm going to crank it. There you go. I'm going to do. I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to do real left field. So I have no idea what your song is. I'm going to do a Muse song. No. Okay. Let me look at. I'm going to do. I'm going to do Tyson versus Douglas. So I'm going to put that on right now. From basically, let me put that on. Wait a second. Wait a second. They are waiting. The listeners are waiting. Oh, I know because I'm telling them to wait a second. Yeah. Um, fast running. So I'm going to put. 
Oh, do I do Amsterdam? No, I'm going to do this one. Um, this one here. Love this song. People won't know it, but... This is brilliant. How does it feel? Why don't you put one of your songs on there that you've made? Oh, do you know what? I will. There you go. I know it's not on Spotify. I haven't put our songs on Spotify, so I can't. Oh, but you be making millions. Oh, I could retire. But, and then I'm going to put Hurt by Johnny Cash, which is slow. You know Hurt by Johnny Cash? I probably do. Oh, John. Yeah, no, no I like a bit of Johnny Cash, yeah, but, but I don't know about for doing hard intervals. No, but. because listen to the words. Hurt Johnny Cash is one of the greatest songs of all time. Wait a second. You talk about something for two seconds. So, this week's topic. Do you think you need to be involved in highly competitive sport at a young age to really be a top world champion? Not just a good pro athlete, we're talking a top, top athlete. And this was um, came from good old mountain snail John Hancock, popping me a few emails. I saw his son Callum did really well at, where was it? It wasn't in your secondary school's triathlon champs. It was at um, our sprint triathlon nationals and he had a really good race. And he beat all the... Elite females and some bloody good females there. I thought that's a solid performance. So I sort of sent John an email saying it's good, and and he sort of sent me one back saying you know he'd had some you know growing pains and this that and the other thing, and um, and then he sent an article that um, Sonia O'Sullivan, who was a very good runner, sent through Olympian. So, sorry, Olympian. Olympian. Yeah, yeah. You know, she was she was top quality runner, yeah. saying uh, you know kids are doing too much and it's a downfall of many aspiring athletes when they're you know fast fast athletes when they're kids and they don't make it so what do you guys think do you think you need to be involved in highly competitive sport at a young age to be a top world champion i'm not going to give my thoughts now i'm tempted to but i'm not going to oh so do i want to because it because i think it depends on the sport as well yep so let's just shut up and uh we will discuss this next week Uh, okay this week's discussion there we go okay johnny cash here we go do you know the song, don't you? Yep. Yep. Have you seen the video? Um, no. Oh, it's one of the best music videos of all time. Okay. I'll take your word for it. I hurt myself. If you're in the middle of intervals and this comes across, no, because your intervals fall apart. The words of the song. The words of the song will take you to another place. Okay. Because I'd never seen. Mm. I was at the gym one day on the treadmill, mm. run away, and I and. I knew of Johnny Cash. This this is before he, you know Johnny Cash, before the movie before anything like that. And this video comes on, and I'm listening to his song, and it turns out it's a song by Nine Inch Nails, which are a big rock band in like the nineties. Um, and he done a version of it. Rick Rubin, who's a very famous music producer, produced it. And they do this video. It's just the most because he's basically he died I think before they released the video. Right. And so and it's just this kind of oh man if you haven't seen it guys I highly recommend you go watch it right now. Anyway, that's this week's discussion. John, let's talk about our sponsor. Extreme Endurance. Your lactic buffer. So we had uh, anniversary weekend while I was down in Wanaka. Romantic way to spend a weekend, I know. But luckily, my <laughs> anniversary... You doing a race. And luckily, the anniversary is on the Sunday, and it was a Saturday race. So you're wondering, how does this tie into Extreme Endurance? Uh, it is because... Did the race. We'll talk about that in a moment. Yep. Next morning, this is blinders dark. I've got to try to be on my that's best right. You gotta, you, That's right. You've got to perform. Because I've been taking extreme endurance, I was able to get up, went out, did a pretty full-on two-hour hike uh, the morning Ooh. after the race. Thanks to extreme endurance, didn't really have massive muscular pain, and I'm pretty bad for muscular pain after races normally, um, but had it, sweet, next morning, out there, 
yesterday. I didn't read it. I was coaching last night, but I could have had a run if I'd really wanted to. Uh, it just helps you to bounce back from those, you know, really tough races a lot quicker. So if you want to, especially if you've got some build-up races, maybe four to eight weeks out or even further out, just means you've still got to be careful because you're going to have that muscular fatigue going on. But it does mean that your active recovery sessions can be a hell of a lot more comfortable and you'll be able to get back into training uh, a lot quicker. So check it out, xendurance.com. Remember the promo code IMTALK25. If you're on the .com website and you've got any challenges with the promo code not working, just pop them a note. They've got a new website. Um, but over in the UK and Europe, should be all good. So check it out, xendurance.com. Where did you go walking? We, this is recommendation, Wanaka recommendations. We went up Rocky Mountain Point, I think it was. Uh, sort of you go out on the bike course, uh, just past the turn around, turn right, and there's a loop around this lake, Diamond Lake. Oh, no, we, we do that every year, well, most years. With and the, then with you the walk up this um, this hill, and it was walking time was three hours. We banged it out in two. It's actually pretty beautiful, isn't it? And you, get, you go above the, the lake, don't oh, you? Yeah, yeah, fantastic view at the top. You've got some beautiful walks around here. Because even this year, we just did the Iron, the iron Mount Hill. Iron. Mount Iron, yeah. that's fine. Um, and even that's pretty cool. And that's mm. pretty an easy walk. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's a stunning place. So. That's the thing about the race. If you haven't, if you're listening from overseas and you want to come over to do New Zealand, and if you want to do Ironman New Zealand, it's worth spending a few weeks in New Zealand. Coming down to South Island first, you can take on Challenge Wanaka, which is a great race. You'll spend some time in Wanaka. Mm. And when I mean New Zealand's two it's weeks. two weeks later. So, I mean, um, if you did the half as a training day, uh, it would be okay. But to race the half yeah, you wouldn't kill and do it, it two weeks later is a bit of a challenge. However, they do have the aquabike option. And there were quite a few people down there doing the aquabike, which is 3K swim, 120K bike, and then are going off to do Ironman New Zealand. So then, you know, as Bevan said, you can have your holiday down there, do a really high-quality um, workout. Plus, you can, you can kind of race the aquabike in the last, you know, really push that last yeah. bit of the bike, and it's not going to screw you over. Uh, the aquabike's almost see that part the, of the perfect world. distance to go hard on two mm. weeks for an Ironman, isn't it? Mm. So, um, irrespective of all that though, make sure you're on the extreme endurance, then you can get back into training straight away. So check it out, xendurance.com. xendurance.com. Okay, John, we're going to do an interview with Rachel Joyce now. So we've got Rachel okay. Joyce coming up and she's going to talk about lots of good stuff. Here is Rachel Joyce. Okay, guys, uh, somebody we haven't heard from for a while, but you guys will have been hearing from her uh, last year on some of the Ironman coverage, doing a fantastic job uh, commentating some of the Ironman races that WTC have been uh, covering. It's Rachel Joyce. So welcome back to the show, Rachel. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's uh, good to be back. I think I was thinking about the first time I met you both, and it was after my first Kona in 2009. We partied which, hard. Which, which kind of makes me feel old. Oh, well, we're, uh, we're, we're not exactly spring chickens. No, are unfortunately, time doesn't lie, does it? No, no. So I've been intrigued to know what you've been up to because we, we know that you, you've you had your child and you made a bit of a comeback, I think it was in 2017, but I haven't seen anything on the radar. So tell us what's been going on in, in your triathlon space. Um, yeah, so I really loved getting back in 2017. And um, if I'm honest, it wasn't kind of entirely planned that I didn't race in 2018, but... Um, few things came up personally which meant I didn't race um so rather than kind of um I think it's easy to kind of get down and think oh I can't you know I'm not doing this I you know I, I would have loved to ra love to race um I tried to use that time that I had and apply it to 
you know, unfortunately, you can't be a professional triathlete forever. So I knew at some point I would need to start thinking about career number three. Mm. Um, so 2018 was a good chance to do that. And I kind of went in it with a really, I had like a really open mind and I just kind of tried anything that came up. And I, I did a two week course at a business school up in Dartmouth in New England. And that was really amazing, kind of opened my eyes to uh, the fact that uh, I have a lot that I could take away from being a professional triathlete because I think it's very hard to think about how, you know, when you go to look for a different job or career, you're like, well, I was a triathlete for 10 years. What does that mean? But you mm. can actually take, you do a lot as a professional triathlete. You have sponsors, you know, you have a lot of relationship, business relationships. And it was really good to kind of um, see that I could apply it to the, to the, business world or non-for-profit world or whatever is going to come next um i did some commentary for the facebook watch with iron man live uh, which was really cool um it's you know i've listened to the commentary over the years and when you do it you're like wow it's it's an endurance event to commentate <laughs> a 10 you know for 10 hours it's it. a long time and um you don't get much you know the only breaks you get are when the interviews come up for people you know the athletes that have been interviewed and they last about 40 seconds so it was yeah. like a dash to the toilet and the dash back but um I really loved uh, I did really enjoy that it was really nice to be able to kind of commentate on uh both the men and the women's race but it was really you know I've always been an advocate for equality in triathlon and I could really kind of try and shout out about the women's performances that I saw um in because I did some women's only races while I was commentating um and then finally I set up I, I partnered with um my manager introduced me to a woman called Dana Platon who is uh, she works for the government in a leadership role and leadership development and we she's also a triathlete and we kind of got talking and we both kind of share have a shared passion to kind of use sport as a kind of a to spark change in people's lives so we ran a few workshops together and then um it resulted in launching Rainers, which is our kind of joint venture at the end of last year and um we're actually going down to usa triathlon on thursday and delivering a half day leadership workshop to all the staff there so things it's starting to build momentum now, how, do, how do you spell that if people want to go and check out the website it is uh r-e-i-n-a-s dot space nice. how did the um ironman commentating come about did they approach you what was how did that actually happen yeah um i um i'm good friends with michael lovato who's obviously been commentating for a good few years and he was approached by the people at Ironman saying, you know, can you think of, we, we've got this Facebook live coming up. We kind of need some more commentators. Can you think of anyone? Um, and so uh, he put, put my name forward, as did Dee Dee Griesbauer, who has done some commentary in the past. And so thank you to them for putting my name forward. And um, then Ironman gave me a try. And I'll be back doing some commentary this year as well. 
I mean, I don't know if you know what the plans are going forward with the Facebook side of things. It, you know, we've been asking for it for a long time, you know, to see more coverage of races. And then when it actually happens, it must be quite hard on those races where there's only probably two or three in the mix. You know, Kona's diff- different, but it must be bloody hard sitting there talking for eight to ten hours when it's just sort of one person TTing in front of you. So I guess the question is, you know, what sort of preparation do you do and, and what's it like on the day you're just kind of sitting in a, in a little room staring at the same coverage we get or what what, do you, what sort of, what happens on race day? Yeah, we get ahead of race day, we do get, um, we get prepped about who's doing the race and a little bit about uh, the interviews that they've had. And then what I like to do is research um, the athletes that are competing. And especially, you know, on those races where there's one standout kind of, yeah, dominant you don't you know someone that you think they're they're you know i think they're gonna win uh, i think a good one is ironman wisconsin last year where there was lindsey corbin but what's what i love about those races then you always have the up-and-comers um and it's a chance for them to have a breakthrough race so even though that was really a, a one-woman race with lindsey corbin which in itself was a phenomenal race and it so you can kind of commentate on what she's doing but there's also like a battle for second and third and fourth um so you kind of you find the race within the race when there is someone out in front mm. um and now in terms of your own racing career going forward um we're, as, as we sort of mentioned before and we're none of us are spring chickens anymore but what, what what's what's what's, <laughs> what's 2019 looking like are you looking at racing or are you active what's your what's your plan um, I don't think I'll be racing in 2019. I think maybe in 2020. And I think that will be more like a finale year. To, you know, I'll go and do some races that uh, I've always wanted to do, but never got round to as, you know, in the prime of my career. Mm. I don't I don't think I want to go back to Kona just because I always, uh, I never wanted to go to Kona to make up the numbers. And I just know the way my life is now. I'm never going to put in what I did back in those years so I'd rather go and do some different races and um, I think realistically it'd probably be more like maybe one Ironman but more like 70.3s. And were you aimed to be competitive or was it more kind of okay. I would still I'd still want to that's why I'd go for 70.3 because I think it would be I could still get the training in with the time I have available. Yeah. Um, Iron Man, I found, like I loved 2017 when I was getting back to racing, um, but I definitely noticed as soon as you jump up to Iron Man, it's not just the time you're training, it's the, you know, especially now Archie's a bit older, you know, he, he wants me to play, you know, he wants to go swimming. And if you're doing, I don't know, the Iron Man volume, I found it took a lot out of me and I, I'm not sure how present I would be um after i'd finished training mm. yeah two, two random ones here are you still living in boulder and secondly did i see were you born in mexico <laughs> i thought this came up on wikipedia when I, I just put your name and i was looking for something and were you born in mexico i, I was born in mexico random yeah yeah um my parents were out there with work and they so i was born there and i lived there till i was probably four or five huh? four and a half yeah oh, very good. so uh, I, have, I haven't got my passport, though, my Mexican passport, though. Um, and yes, we're still living in Boulder. And I think um, we haven't got any plans to leave at this point. We just, um, 
yeah it kind of feels like home yeah. Um, on to another topic that in this sort of Smoon media getting you know, get in touch with you I think we had last week or the week before we had a press release out um, around the, the PTO so the Professional Triathletes I think it's organisation and the, the Collins Cup you know some changes there we still haven't seen the Collins Cup come to fruition so I guess where are we at with the professional the, the, with the PTO and um, you know what's your involvement and, and what are you looking to do over say the next 12 to 24 months um, so I the the, Colin, the PTO is still going strong and the Collins Cup is um, I said the it's definitely it's definitely going to happen but what you realize I mean we've been incredible I think professional triathletes and most won't be aware of it at the moment have been incredibly lucky that um a businessman called Charles Adamo kind of heard about triathlon and really how little money Ironman athletes earn and kind of made it his mission to kind of like look into um, <coughs> a structure that would actually kind of um, be for the athletes and give ath- the professional athletes um, a real, make them real influences and influences in the sport and give them an opportunity to kind of get a piece of the pie if you like um Mm. and so but what I've realized I mean I wish I could do more because I see how much Charles is doing and um I definitely there's been peaks and troughs of um how much I've been able to do um but the what I've seen is these things you think they can just happen um, but so much has to go into it that like it is if you're looking at it and you know it's like oh it's delayed another year it just you kind of start to wonder if, is it ever going to happen um, but it it will happen um, and it's looking at the moment it's looking like it will be in it will be in 2020 we've kind of got we've partnered with um, Wasserman the the agents and also um Oh, my mind's gone blank. Uh, North Point Advisors, which are helping with the finance, you know, on the financial side of things, because mm. that's what we we need, like financial backing to get there, and it, it's coming through slowly. Uh, just uh, you know, we'd all love to ha- love for it to have happened this year, but it is looking like twenty twenty. Mm. Is, is it still the same vision? You know, we were in wrote a couple of years ago when they announced it, and they kind of showed what what it was meant to be last year. Um, you know that didn't kind of come to fruition but you know we still expect to see a similar kind of experience race put on maybe not at rote but you know that kind of same idea of what we saw was going to be the case a couple of years ago yes that's the plan um uh challenge wrote they've been great supporters and they're still up for it being um us hosting the first one there so that is still the plan and and, and the buy-in from the pros the people I've spoken to, I think, you know, I've spoken to Sebastian Keenler and he was, he's really loves the idea. Obviously, th- that's where the patience is required because, um, you know, it, it hasn't happened this year. But the idea is that we'll be ahead of the game for 2020. And so we can approach pros early enough so that they a want to be they want to be picked in their team. And you can see in the ranking system, it's kind of um, building, but also um they they can talk to their sponsors about getting bonuses um plugged into their contracts for the Collins Cup and also they you know they can plan their race season accordingly 
Okay, so with regards to the PTO, um, I was thinking this morning, you know, almost the only way to potentially make it work is if it was mandatory, like a lot of other sports, you have to be a member of a professional organisation to compete, and so they've got a lot of a lot more power. Um, and I kind of think with ITU, like you go and do an ITU race, you have to be a member of your national federation. Um, is that something you're trying to make it almost compulsory, or do you think that's the way how you can actually really get buy-in from all the athletes and have a bit more power? Um, I think initially we wouldn't make it mandatory. Um, I think we, well, we could make we would make membership free, so there was no barrier to entry. And then um, I think we'd use the Collins Cup as the inaugural event, and the prize money would be very good. The appearance fee would be very good, and that should i think be enough to get people um getting the the best pros in the world wanting to be a part of it so rather than kind of like have a stick to kind of make them um make them be a member of the pto rather than have this event where everyone's gunning and wanting to to be picked for their team and then after that people will kind of then want to be a member of the PTO because they've seen that they've had a successful event. What's the long-term goal? I think the long-term goal is to make professional triathlon more of a a career that's sustainable. You know, I think there's, I'd say probably 80, at least 80%, probably close to 90% of the field are doing this sport because they love it. And they're not really making any money of, out of it. And if say if you live in the the US, you probably can't afford health care. So have this business model where um, we invest money back into professional triathlon and we have feeder systems. You know, maybe we partner with a health insurance or travel insurance company where uh, members benefit from it with, you know, discounted policy prices um, and just have run a run our own events so um that the athletes kind of are there there's some self-determination about the sport rather than you know we're at the will of the race organizers at the moment and if 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 prize money's cut then you've got no choice you still have to turn up to the race because there is no choice whereas if if the pto is actually a race organizer the idea is that prize money's going up mm. and we're bringing so we're bringing value to the sport not only by creating an exciting race um but also uh we make it you know the idea is that it gets television coverage and you get more fans of the sport and that means you kind of attract more sponsors into the sport and there's a real incentive for for the professionals to do that because if, if they own the race then they benefit from this extra interest rather than it you know and this isn't I'm not doing I'm not kind of putting Ironman down they're a business and that they're, they're you know they want to be a profit-making business and it doesn't, it doesn't their business model isn't about promoting the professionals at the moment I I, I kind of feel that they see them as uh, someone that's actually kind of costing the the business mm. money at the moment rather than using them to really help promote the sport. Totally. So I think the idea was if you, if you become, if the PTO organizes a race of its own, 
then there's a real incentive to bring value as professionals because then you the professionals reap the re- rewards. In long term, would it be more than one race? Is it like I know, I know we're early days and there's a lot of work to be done. But do you see it being that you know there might be a Colin Cup series that actually becomes a dominant player in the in the pro game? Yes, yeah. The idea is it becomes a premier event. Mm. It's exciting times because it's a bit just dis- <laughs> a bit disturbing when you. When you look at our sport and you see how affluent it is, the athletes that do it are affluent usually, um, and then it's expensive to enter, and then the pros are kind of just getting little crumbs here and there. It's pretty, uh, pretty distressing at times. So, um, in terms of um, your career, you know, looking back, do you, are, you, are you doing much reflecting on on the good times or or any regrets or anything like that um, over the last couple of years? Have you sort of started to do that look back down memory lane? Uh, yeah, I have done a little little bit, and um, I—I mean, I—I I don't really have regrets because uh, I kind of think they're pointless, and I, I'm pretty happy that I put all, you know, I put I did I put everything into the sport that I could, and there are the there's the occasional race where I'm like, ah. Uh, you know, maybe if I was in that shape again, I would maybe approach my preparation a little bit differently. But who knows if it would have changed the end result. Um, but generally, I'm kind of still very, I'm pretty, I'm happy with my career. And of course, I would have loved to have won Kona. It didn't happen, but I'm not going <laughs> to spend my, yeah. the you know, I had a, I had a good run and I've got plenty to celebrate and I'm not going to be bitter about the fact I I never won it. I mm. I'm kind of I'm glad for what I did and if you'd have asked me in 2009 when I first interviewed with you both um if I'd have been on the podium three times in Kona of course I'd have loved to say yes of course but uh, it felt like a really long way away at that point so generally I'm I'm pretty happy and um got to race in some amazing places and have some really good performances that uh, I think I, I'm proud of, you know, looking back. Where, where do you find challenge in life? You know, because when you're going for being a, a top-level professional athlete, it's a very single-focused life, isn't it? And then, you know, you, you add child to the equation and you kind of shift away from that top-level place. Where do you find challenge in life right now? Um... Well, you know, setting up this business with um, with Dana, that's definitely challenging because I'm kind of learning a whole new load of um, skills. So it's a different, it's a very different kind of challenge. It's not that challenge of of the race. It's kind of a much like longer game, and it's it's kind of, but it challenges me in the way that when I first got into triathlon, there was a lot of. Um, I like pushing myself out of my comfort zone and setting setting up a new business is definitely pushing me out of my comfort zone in different ways. And it's nice to be using my brain in a different way than I have done in the last you know, decade um, and also doing things I don't know if it's going to succeed. And I, I kind of like that risk factor that get, success isn't guaranteed. And I think if if I wanted the safe option, maybe I'd go have gone back to being a lawyer because that kind of is where I was before and I know how it all works. So I like this going into the unknown and I'm not sure where Rainers will go to, but I like the challenge um, of that. 
You can bring up a child as a daily challenge, and I know and that's that. a challenge. <laughs> trying not two and a half year old is a challenge. Yeah, trying not to <laughs> trying not to scream uh, every day. I'm, I'm sure is one of your challenges. So we love our kids. We, we love our kids. <laughs> awesome. Now, uh, thanks for coming back on and uh, talking us about where you're at because we have discussed your name a few times on the show. And we're like, I wonder what old Joyce is up to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we look forward to hearing some some commentary from you during the year and uh, and then commentating on the Collins Cup when it comes around that's that's i guess yes, that's your end yeah. game you're you're working on the pta yeah. and you've got this little side thing well if we get this going i'm i'm, yeah, I'm no, a shoo in for that commentary spot yes yeah exactly <laughs> awesome um we'll have a link to rachel's website uh in our show notes as well but you can check it out again it's r-e-i-n-a-s dot space uh and you have an awesome year yeah thanks and thanks for having me on the show good to talk to you both again awesome you're a star thanks rachel Okay, John, well, that's Rachel. We, we, we're kind of interviewing her later, but you guys have already heard it. This is the magical podcasting. So let's do John's Wanaka Race Report. Okay, <laughs> here we calm go. introduction. No, tell, yes. us about, tell us so, about it, Jombo. So as you guys heard last week, my expectations going in was, um, yeah, I wanted to have a pretty solid race, unsurprisingly. Um, but my main focus, last time I did the race, I got three quarters of the race really, really right. But I'd been a bit complacent in a few areas. So that was my big focus going into this one is to really try to reduce the complacency. And that was mainly around nutrition. I didn't quite get enough nutrition on board uh, in the race. But probably more importantly was around the training and the build-up. Last time it wasn't. It was. I kind of just thought I'll, I'll get away with this. It wasn't an A race. And I didn't do that much running because my main build-up was to get ready for road. And so I did a lot, a lot of cycle preparation for, for Wanaka. But I hadn't done much running and I was kind of thinking, oh, I'll just get away with it, I'll be okay. Um, um, but I wasn't, and I blew up halfway through the run and uh, groveled my way home. And then the other thing... Because you were leaving too, weren't you? I was. Yeah, that really hurts yeah. more. Uh, and the other things that I didn't do that well last time was my transitions were pretty sloppy, lost quite a bit of time. Um, so I really wanted to tidy that up, and then just riding smart, which I did a pretty good job both times, and then uh, being a bit stronger on the run as well. So the build-up for me, I know people love to hear about you know how, what training people do. I pretty much hit everything that I wanted to, um, and I still have plenty of zero days. You know, for us going through Christmas, quite a few zeros sort of through there. Had minimal swimming sort of through about a three to four week period through Christmas, so my swimming was not in a great shape. But I'd kind of factored that all in into my expectations. And in terms of the training that I do, it's normally around nine to thirteen hours a week. So probably typically about ten to eleven. And if I do a longer session, that bumps it up a bit. Can I ask what, how much over that ten? Let's say you know ten hours a week. How much are in different zones? Uh, quite a bit. You know, it is quite focused. And because it's not big volume, uh, most sessions have a pretty decent target. So quite a bit of uh, race pace work and just above race pace work. So, yeah, there's not that much scope for, for, for sort of just junky sort of miles. And I, I don't like the term necessarily junky miles because I really respond well to doing yeah. volume. But at the moment... You're just time poor, so you've got to be effective with your time. I'm time poor, but I'm choosing to be time poor. <laughs> but uh, as an athlete, you are. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's a choice. You know, and, and I would respond, I would be going a lot quicker if I was choosing to take 13 to 16 hours to train. I know that I'll be a lot quicker. So I kind of my expectations are in line with how much training I've got available. So my week looks like this. On Mondays, I uh, do a coaching session where I'm kind of 
coaching and doing the session at the same time. We do 30 minutes of core and an hour of running. And the key there with that running is it's very targeted for race preparation. So it's... Um, rather than just going and spanking out intervals, it's thinking about, okay, the terrain of the course, having some hills during intervals, practicing hard downhill running as well as controlled uphill running. So during those workouts, it was kind of some progression, starting with hill reps, middle sort of phase, doing longer tempo work with uh, some strength component in there. So we'd do like a, a, a two and a half K sort of circuit, which would have a hill, um, and you do the hill late in the in the, in the rep. Um, so that was a you know, quality run session. Tuesday, go um, for a swim before coming up and podcasting three to three and a half k mixed bag key thing with my swimming is there is a lot of variation in pace um, not a lot of really really hard swimming um, but a lot of descending sets so what I mean by that is you might do six by 400 and you might descend one to three so the first one we might swim at six minutes for the 400 the second one we might do five minutes 40 and the third one might be five minutes 25 or something like that so you're getting progressively quicker so plenty of pace variation in that and then uh, come do the podcast and then I normally go out for a, a steady ride for around about 90 minutes and by steady it's basically warming up for five to ten minutes and then riding about an hour to an hour and a half at Ironman effort which is about 75% of FTP so not crazy hard but not uh, not easy either. Uh, Wednesdays for me is an indoor trainer session early, um, first thing, which is a mixture of intervals, um, sort of 85 to 100 percent of FTP intervals. Some, uh, especially as you get closer to the race, some some longer work with some um, some short sharp stuff to finish. And then I was building in a run off the bike there, which sort of culminated in running 10 k's off the bike at half Ironman pace, which I found really challenging doing a, an hour 20 on the on the indoor trainer, sweating like crazy because it is summer over here. And Outside. And then getting out and, and running 10k straight off the bike. I had a few weak moments on some of those runs. Thursday, all I do is a um, kind of depends what I'm doing at the weekends. It, it was typically either a longer run or uh, some half Ironman paced intervals. Friday, I swim only and do some core, so I swim sort of three to three and a half k's. Saturday is typically a simulation session for a couple of hours, so usually a bike run. And then Sunday is either um, an endurance ride, which is only was only typically sort of two to three hours, or a um, and, and normally done reasonably easy, depending on what I've done during the week. So in summary, I was swimming twice a week, normally, occasionally three, but normally two, doing four bikes, and then sort of doing three to four sometimes five runs but those sort of fourth and fifth runs were pretty short and for a total of sort of you know where, 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 where are you trying to gain so like you know if you're swimming twice a week I imagine it's just for maintenance yeah swimming is just trying to get up to a level and uh, and maintain and, and again I know I can swim quicker but yeah you just yeah, it's, it's balancing out the time but my main focus is doing some hard work uh, on the bike and doing enough harder runs that you you know where your legs come away from them and they're Pretty smoked. Don't didn't big thing with this build up was was not a lot of endurance, and that's partly because I chose not to have the time to do it. Uh, but just the way my week sort of structured, I'm coaching on Sunday mornings and blended other stuff on Saturdays as well. Yep. But key key sessions during this build up was doing a half Ironman simulation. So I really really value doing simulation sessions. That was a full half Ironman at you know swim and bike, pretty much close to race pace and, and run. Wh- just a little why bit are these are important? 
just because I don't, for me, I don't race much. Okay. And so uh, doing simulations is, is critical to, to actually just toughening up the legs. Um, I also do a couple of, for when I'm building up for a half Ironman, I did two, two or three Olympic distance race pace efforts. So that's doing a half, you know, Olympic distance at half Ironman effort. And they're a lot harder than when you're in a race. So they, they take quite a bit of concentration. Did a couple of sprint tries and um, for, for some good hard racing and yeah as I said plenty of race pace stuff so the plan versus execution um for the swim i was i was worried i was going to be leading the swim and i was right to be worried because i was basically leading didn't have a so, wait, so finger the, put the pros on left how far ahead you guys pros were miles in front and then we had the other age group uh, the under 40s went first so five minutes in front uh and then with over 40s were second and then females and teams were behind so straight off the line i was straight into the lead didn't have anybody touch me on my arms had somebody, and I'm pretty sure I know who it was, Heath whacking the shit out of me. No, it wasn't Heath. Uh, <laughs> whacking the shit out of my feet. And so I thought, bugger this. I was zigzagging. I was trying to, we were swimming through people. And I was like intentionally almost swimming this person into the people. There was some swim boys. And I was like just dodging them. And I, I was all over the place. Uh, because the, the thing is, if you're on somebody's feet, have some manners. Yeah, don't hit them on time. Eh? You get yeah. it. I get it. You hit the feet from time to time, yeah. especially because the person in front is going to be sighting. But if you do that, then you've just got to back off, you know, 30 or 40 centimetres and go, I'm not going to draft too much, yeah. just so I'm going to, oh, I was doing my head in. It's etiquette. It is etiquette. So, so they me shame. They run. No, no, it's all right. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I led the whole swim. And if it was about right, I was going a little bit hard early on. I was going, oh, I was trying to drop these guys, but I think I'm probably going a little bit hard. So I just eased off and just kind of did my thing. And I think I was about a minute slower than last time um, because last time I did have somebody to follow for a while. So that was probably the main reason. The bike uh, and first transition was was pretty decent. Um, the bike the plan was to aim for 265 watts, which is about 85% of my FTP. And then I have a heart rate gauge that I use as well, and I don't really want to be going over 145 beats per minute for long periods. Uh, and the bike was pretty much a solo effort. I got passed at 10 k's by a guy called Rion Park, uh, and then now he's a really he's a cycle background, isn't he? It is, yeah. and he he went well under nine hours last year. Um, I think in Cairns. And so I, I knew in the field there was going to be. I don't didn't do a lot of competitor analysis, but I, I knew that he was one. And then I knew there was a couple of young fellas that if they fired up, they'd probably um, spank me. Uh, but they were five minutes ahead, so I couldn't really get too much of a gauge oh, on okay, that. Yeah. So he passed me at ten k's, and I kind of hung there a little bit and thought, oh, this is just a little bit too hard." And he rode off, and I was thinking. I think he's going to have a bit of a lead off me off the bike and we'll, we'll see how that goes. And then so it was basically solo riding the whole way, uh, except for Heath Eckersley did catch me at 10Ks to go. And he's a pretty good cyclist, isn't he? He was riding well. Yeah. And, uh, and so I ended up exactly on the normalised power that I wanted to. So it was 265 watts. Uh, and my heart, average heart rate was 140. So I was sort of in my range. It was pretty stable throughout. Variability index was really good on this ride. It was 1.03. So for people that know about that, that's kind of... You know, your, your spikes in effort and your, your, your zeros kind of balancing that out. If it's like 1.1, it means you've really cranked sort of the hills. Um, and 1 means you've done, a, 1.0 means you've done an even effort all the way through. My cadence was a bit sloppy, a little bit low at 83 RPM, but it is a very hilly course, so that's lower than what I'd normally expect. Um, but geez, the course down there, man, it's just the, the first 40 Ks, it's just, I've, I've still got a sore arm because I don't have um, DI2. You're just shifting the whole time for yeah. the first 40 k's there's no flat it's not crazy hard hilly but it's just up down up down up down so it's just really way. hard to get a rhythm yeah, yeah. It's, it's enjoyable i like it i'm not complaining 
but there's no rhythm and then you finally get to the stretch sort of in the middle of the ride where it's it's sort of false flats and what have you and you can actually get into a bit of a bit of a rhythm so I was too, this is a really good thing for me it was, it was, two, it was two watts better than I was last time um, and I was one beat per minute higher but it felt a lot easier uh, but it was also two minutes slower than last time but there was a slight course change, so it's really important not to judge your rides necessarily always on your. Well, time. that's where wattage helps, isn't it? Because mm. you can actually go, okay, that's a better performance, or mm. you know, you know, not just necessarily time based. So I was stoked with how the ride went. Um, it took takes quite a bit of concentration when you've got nobody around you for the whole bike ride. Uh, so, but I was really pleased with how that went. I mentioned my nutrition last week, but a quick rundown: I have two bottles of Infinite. Um, about uh, I only managed to get through about a, a third to a half of an M's bar. Um, so the Infinite. Gives Gives me 130 grams of carbs. M's bar gave me about 20. I have two scoops of UCAN early in the bike, and that gives me 40 grams of carbs. I had a goo, which is 20. So that gives me a total of about 210 grams of carbs. And I'm out there for two and a half hours, so it's around about 80, 80 to 85 grams of carbs per hour. And that's I also had a no dose and some, some water out there. That's about the limit that I can take, but that's what I wanted to get in, and that was pretty much bang on. No problems? Not really. I had to force a little bit of it down, but um, if you, it's a really important thing for people to do is do crunch your numbers before the race and then crunch them afterwards to see if you achieved what you wanted to, and then have a bit of a think: Did I get enough nutrition in? Should I have it a little bit more? Because I know a lot of athletes have significantly less than that, and and, re- and, and often struggle as a consequence. And the problem is, a lot of people like remember who was that guy there who was the um, Olympic running coach, nutrition guy we had on. Years ago, he was a really interesting guy. Um, we interviewed him. Might have been a guy, Dan Benedict. Yeah, I'm not sure. well done. That is yeah. him. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. And and he, a lot of people go, I can't eat that much. And it's like his point was because when he when we had him on the show, he said when he first started coaching the Olympic team for their nutrition, uh, they, they, they they're training twice a day and they mm-hmm. wouldn't have breakfast. And you, and you go, why wouldn't you have breakfast? Oh, I can't eat before. I, well, no, you just haven't trained yourself to eat before yeah. you run, you know. And so if if you're someone who because we sometimes get my runners, we're giving these kind of guidelines and they go, oh, I just can't eat that much. And it's like, well. You've just got to train yourself, you mm. know. And so, if you are someone who's sitting there going, "There's no way I could have 80 grams of carbohydrate an hour or something like that," uh, well, train yourself. Exactly. Yeah. So that I'm not saying that that's the number you need to shoot for, but what I'm saying is you need to look at what you're having, have a plan, see how you executed, and then analyze: Did I have enough? Did I not have enough? Uh, and I know that I just had enough. I couldn't have probably taken any more but I needed uh, everything that I took in. Um, my plan for the run was to try to just bang out four-minute Ks all the way through, um, and then I was doing a 3K run and uh, then walking for 30 to 40 seconds, and it was either at the 3K or the 6K mark. I think it was a 3K mark. I caught up to Julia Grant. So she's a, a pro athlete, and so I'd, I caught her up. Just as I caught her up, my 3K um, clicked over, so I passed her, and I was like, a meter in front of her and then I started walking and I know her she's a Christchurch girl she said keep going keep going and I said no no it's all part of the plan she uh-uh. was oh awesome well done <laughs> uh, and yes yeah, so the run walk I did that for the first nine k's and then uh, then I ran from from that point on but the, I will say the run walk was really good because the first three k's I was struggling a bit my back was a bit sore struggling to get a rhythm did that first walk bounced back straight afterwards and got into a much better space uh as with the bike, it was pretty much a solo effort the whole way. I think I passed two, two or three athletes. Um, how, were you, how, were, what, how were you feeling mentally? Uh, pretty good. I, th- I thought I potentially bike just a tickle too hard, and the, it wasn't coming as easy as it was on the bike. I was running along, and I was kind of hoping that I was going to be getting 
sub four minute k's and they were just a little bit over fours and I was going oh, this feels about right and I know I thought if I push this uh, I could be in a little bit of trouble so I kind of ended up I was keeping an eye on my splits but it was more a case I was running by feel and just sort of having the look down at the watch each each k so yeah through 11 k's my average pace was 406 with an average heart rate of 147 so that's around about just almost 10 beats higher than what I do on the bike, which is what you'd kind of expect. Um, on this course, halfway through, you have this road called Gun Road, which I talked about last week, a pretty steep hill, and the hill just absolutely decimates your pace. You know, I think, you know, go from doing a four minute K to probably a five minute plus K um, to get up that. So the last nine K, so if I take out that hill section, average 402, but there is a bit more downhill there. Average heart rate was 149, so it was going up a little bit. All in all, run was was good I thought I'd run better than what my time reflected but uh can't complain can't complain really about my run although it was slower than I thought it would be compared to what was it other competitors. it was 128 so it was an average of 407 per k and you were hoping for more four weren't you? I was hoping for more four so it was probably about a minute and a half to two minutes slower than what I'd anticipated but all in all given the amount of running I've done I thought I did a pretty good effort did you have a good fight at the end uh well, I probably didn't. F- I, I had a reasonable fight, but at that stage, I kind of kn- knew I was, was no right f- up there. To fight for. Yeah, yeah and there okay. was nobody around me, uh, and I sort of knew I was winning the age group, and I won the old farts competition, and I wasn't quite sure if there was anybody up the road or not. So I think there probably was a little bit more in there, maybe thirty seconds more fight in there. Yep. But I did kind of enjoy the last little bit nutrition on the run I have a gel a goo gel at 5k and 10k and then it's basically coke and red bull and whatever I can take in so only um, maybe taking in 80 grams at most so my run was a 128 uh, so it's only sort of 50 grams of carbs per hour so significantly less than what I do on the uh, on the bike all in all can't complain it was a very solid reflection of where my fitness is at so execution wise was uh was very good probably give myself sort of a a minus in terms of performance and uh and execution nice yeah so you won your age group won the age group um doesn't mean that much to me it is more about the performance it was nice to be the oldest the, the fastest old fart and had one young fella take me out he was in the 25 to 29 age so you group. got second overall in the age groups or in the age, group age groupers uh now we'll say i did get checked by the first uh, female pro athlete and i think it was only by 15 seconds and mm. they outran me and i was thinking i thought oh, let's have a look at my transitions and so this is one gripe about the race is the pros get a separate transition area and so I think my T1 was like 2 minutes 30. And I thought, oh. And then I looked at Hannah Wells, and who's like 1 minute 30. So it like took a minute out of me. I was like, geez, I didn't think I was that bad. And then I looked at all the other age groupers, and I wasn't too bad compared to age groupers. So their transition area is, uh, is different, and they must gain, you know, 30 to 45 seconds. So I blame the race. So you're saying is, you beat her? I'm not saying that at all. Well, it sounds like you are. Somebody had an unfair advantage. <laughs> That was great. It's a great race. If you get the opportunity to go and do it, just a very testing day at the office. You know, you can't let your guard down. Um, and luckily, we had a beautiful day, beautiful swim, bike rides. Just that right amount of challengingness. It's got a bit of flat sections in the middle, and the run is lots of trails. And again, there's always something happening, which is uh, which is cool. So I enjoyed yeah, it a lot. Well done. Like, I know. I know you're always kind of kind of. You take the glory out of your own victories, but you know it's still awesome to turn up and win. Yeah, well, no, it was it was it was solid. Lots of good performances by uh, Cantab athletes down there. We just 
dominating the podium. Podium, so it was it was awesome to see. Good times. Go to the Canterbury people. Mm. Red and black all the way, John. Like the rugby team. That's right. Taking on the Aucklanders. Yes. Kill them. Well, we didn't really kill them, but I don't know. Uh, okay, then that's John's race report. Let's, let's wrap up the show, John. Questions and answers? Oh, quick, quick wang of the week, because we've got to have a retraction from last week. Oh, uh, back old, it up. Good old Seth um, sent me through an email. He was wanger of the week last week, but because he's, he'd had a 31-hour th- run, and I was on the show last week. I was going, 31 hours? Yep. Seriously? And he said he was having a chuckle to himself because he was on the treadmill, and he heard us say that, and there'd been some error in Strava, and he'd actually done a 31-minute run on the run <laughs> <laughs> on the treadmill, not 31 hours so he wanted us to retract that and uh and so i can't go all the way back to the week before so apologies whoever was second but i think we did give you a mention this week um saying jim osman is the uh leader with a 26 hours of runtime if that's correct well done jim uh, so he was first 32 hours and 43 minutes and uh simon shirley he did uh 30 hours and 28 minutes he swam five hours and 15 he biked 15 hours and ran 10 hours that's a solid training week nice work simon that is bloody good effort mate well done you are a winger of the week there you go. Winger of the week. That's a, this is a badge of honour, John. Okay, go on. Questions and answers. I don't think we actually have any, do we? Let's we have, don't. Let's go talk to Joycey. Okay, well, wait. We've got to do a... Well, let, do you want to wrap up? We've got, yep. we've got eight minutes. Up. We can wrap it up. Um, What's been happening in your patrons, work, Patrons. 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 We've got to name a few patrons. We've got Ian, the powerhouse Robinson. I've just lost my show. It's Kevin. Douglas, a speed merchant, Padden Jones. And then we've got Jeremy, the arrow Remy. Nice work, you So, John, the sponsors. Extreme Galactic Buffer. And a patron. And just name so. If you want to be a patron, go to www.imtalk.me and put on a link. And uh, you go to the link on the page and you can just become a patron of the show. Patrons get gifts based on their patronage and they're going to draw to win a trip to Kona every couple of years with the boys. If you want to get coaching, go to coachjohnnewson.com. You can check out my other podcast, the Bevan James Isles Show at bevanjamesisles.com. And again, you can email us at imtalk.com podcast at gmail with any content around age groupers websites or any other feedback john you goss my goss uh, be an easy week this week just a um, bit of active recovery back into it next week so now it goes to epic cap france doesn't it uh well can't come to 70.3 so i've got to figure out my strategy i haven't i, haven't, I kind of had just my strategy for wanaka in place i've got to figure out how i'm going to maintain through to um kona i just need to pick up that run a little bit I've got a plan in place. It's going to be trying to balance getting ready for France, doing mountain climbing, and getting ready for Kona seventy point three. Because I kind of want to do well at both of them. Do they do they have the um, do they have the slots again this year? Yes, they do. So it'll be popular again. I think so, which would be good because the last time I did it, they didn't have the Kona slots, and the field was a bit weaker. Yep. Uh, this time they will. And somebody did ask me the uh, the other day if I got a slot, would I take it? The answer is going to be no. No. Not, if we were going, would you? Probably not. You would. I guarantee no, I you would. would. I guarantee it. It's partly, do you really want to just spend a thousand bucks just for doing it? And but more importantly, you've got to train all the way through winter. You've got to be fully committed. I don't want to just go and make up the numbers. It's like if you're there, uh, especially if you've been there before, if you're just going for the honeymoon once you've done, you know, you've, you've performed it, it's just your goal to get there, different story. Yep. But if I go there I'm, there, I'm there to race. And as I've said before, until they make it a fair bike course, not really that interested. Um, so yeah, not too much else going on this week, Bevan. What about you? We actually had a funeral. You said it was quite. It was quite. A, one of my best mates' dad died suddenly last week, and um, it was it was out of nowhere. It was, it's been a pretty tragic week, really. But in some ways, it was a beautiful funeral. It just you know you know kind of sometimes there are people in life who just seem to have lived life well. And mm-hmm. his, his name was Alan Alan Haycock, and um, he was he was a Mark's one of my best mates. I've been mates with since pretty much. 
high school or since intermediate but deeply since high school and we've you know grown up together and so you kind of get to know the appearance mm-hmm. and uh he was just he was just the man who got life right and i actually wrote an article in the paper about him a few years ago mm-hmm. um and the reason he got life right was he just he liked he knew what he liked and he he spent time doing the stuff he liked mm-hmm. he, he cared about people um like the, it was beautiful. He loved music, and so he, the girls all got up. All his kid, grandchildren, he taught them all guitar. Mm-hmm. So in the funeral, all the kids got up and played the guitar and sang nice. a song. It was pretty emotional, um, and, and just was happy with his lot. And you know, and it was just and man, the amount of people at this funeral, you know, and like you know, when you get a little bit older, maybe funerals aren't as big because you know, mm-hmm. he's not. He was only early seventies, so he wasn't old, old. But um, I don't think well, I don't think I've been to a bigger funeral to be honest. Mm. And just you know the kind of imprint somebody can have on other people's lives, and you kind of think to yourself, my mate Mark, he's got a, a stepson called Kane who's eighteen, a great kid. And I said to Kane, mate, this is the kind of funeral you want to have, you know, yeah. where you know a that just you've touched so many people's lives in a really cool way, and b that the way you've been represented in this moment is is a really great thing. It was it was pretty special. Pretty yeah. What do you got on this week? Um, Jombo, what's happening in my life this week? Um, not much. Running going okay? Well, just starting. Yeah, you got to wax those legs a bit. No, here, no. there. What I do is I put a bit of gel on them, aerodynamic. Right. I, I gel them up. So yeah. I gel them up so they're aerodynamic. Yeah. So it works to my advantage. No, I'm going to do another 40 minutes. I'm doing two weeks of easy running before I think, and nothing more than an hour. Mm-hmm. So today I'll do 40 minutes easy and then just slowly build. It does hurt. Yeah, it does hurt. It does hurt. You yeah. got to get once you get running. The more running you do, the less it That's, hurts. But I'm being wise in my in my mm. progression to intensity and duration. So, uh, just doing a bit of that, and then John. That's about the cost of it, really. My life's pretty pretty stock standard right now. Good. I'm Russ. I'm a train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia kaha. Kaha.